Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Stay open and don't force things. Pretty simple, but it's like, most of the time you're either doing one of the one or the other you're either not being open-minded enough or you're forcing something that you've given no thought and so like that's something i think is really important it's important to be flexible to thrive in a rapidly evolving landscape brands must move at an ever-increasing pace i'm matt Britton, founder and ceo of suzy join me and key industry leaders as we dive deep into the shifting consumer trends within their industry why it matters now and how you can keep up welcome to the speed of culture Today, we're going to be speaking with Matt Medved, CEO at NFT Now, who Yahoo Finance recently ranked as one of the top 10 most influential figures in the NFT space. Matt, so great to see you. Thanks so much for joining today. Great to see you too, Matt. I'm really happy to be here. This is going to be great. Absolutely. This should be an interesting one and definitely a little bit different than some of the other guests we've had in the past. And before we dive into all things NFT, we'd love to hear a little bit about your background and the road you took to get you to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm from 15 years, the intersection of media, culture specifically in music prior to Web3. In 2015, I founded Billboard Dance, Billboard's dance electronic music brand at Billboard, grew that into the leader in North America. After that, ran Spin Magazine as editor-in-chief, exited with the sale of that in 2020, and then was actually running content at Modern Luxury, the lifestyle publisher, before I was pulled down the NFT rabbit hole by my good friend Blau, who's a DJ producer and a kind of a pioneer in the music NFT space. And for me, I'd always been dabbling. I started dabbling in crypto back in 2013, during the 16 to 18, I was really focused on like, how does this technology empower musicians and like create a better like music industry model. And so NFTs for me were that missing puzzle piece where it was technology I'd believed in for a long time, finally disrupting fields I'm actually passionate about, and in a way that has the potential to empower creators. And so went full headlong into it and co-founded NFT Now, January 2021. And it's been an amazing ride since. Yeah. And we're going to dive into NFT Now. Before we do though, quickly, a big point that you didn't bring up is you're also a DJ as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you spun at big festivals and clubs. So talk to us about how you got started being a DJ and how that intersects with what you've been able to do on the professional side to date. Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, growing up, I was always writing creatively and I was also making music. 
I was in bands growing up, some probably a lackluster punk bands and the like. And, you know, it was always fun. And and in college, I started DJing because one of the things I loved about DJing was I've always said DJing is an exercise in empathy. Like the best DJs think about their audience first. And that's not about what I want to play. It's about the intersection of the music I like and have at my disposal and the experience that's going on around me and, and making it a great experience for those people. And I just found that like really amazing to think about. And also found it like the independence of it versus being in a band, not having to be reliant on like four other people and their schedules and was really, really inspiring for me. And one of the reasons why I think that we were able to build Billboard Dance the way we did so quickly and gain the trust and and the credibility with the artist community was the fact that I spoke artist languages. When I met Martin Garrix for the first time, it wasn't like a Q&A. It was us nerding out about synthesizers, you know what I mean? And like things like that. And so I think that that also extends into the NFT space as well. It's like, you know, understanding the artist experience and being able to speak to that from a genuine and authentic place. I think that that's really powerful. One of the things I found in dance music is that it's largely covered by people who have no idea how it's made or how it's performed. And so being able to bring that kind of knowledge to the table, being able to build those much deeper connections with artists. And also, like I've always said, from Billboard Dance to Spin to, to NFT Now, I've always like been a curator first and foremost, you know, always having that ear to the ground, like being wanting to be what, what's on the next big thing. And I think part of being able to identify talent early is understanding the medium and being like, wait, how did they produce that? You know, being able to like dig into that. And so that has served me well in the NFT space as well. And, and it's something that that is a real passion point for me. It's funny you say that, Matt, because there are a lot of parallels behind both EDM and the NFT space, electronic dance music, NFT space. A lot of haters kind of say, oh, DJ, just press a button on stage. You're not really doing anything. And a lot of haters in NFT say, well, you can just screenshot it. It's very similar. It's like not understanding everything that kind of goes into it and just kind of shrugging it off because it's new. Yet you have this entire generation that are fascinated by both of these tracks. And I can definitely see the parallels. Totally. I mean, going into like a legacy institution like Billboard and being the champion for dance music at a time when the editorial leadership there was pretty old school rock was definitely swimming against against the current and, you know, definitely had to rely on data to make my points and, and be a champion of it, be an evangelist for something that uh, that people didn't believe in at the time, but ended up being the fastest growing thing. And so I do see some parallels here with this as well. So I'm comfortable in that role. I like the underdog. I like being uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. And like when you have conviction in something and you feel it the way that I feel it around the future of Web3, around the future of this technology and its ability to empower creators, it's the same thing I felt about dance music. It was inevitable to me. It was just a matter of like how it would play out and, and when, not if. And so it's a it's a role I actually really embrace because I think people always fear what they don't understand. That's why we've always been really at the forefront of like welcoming new people into the space, arming them with the tools and the education they need to understand it and succeed. And yeah, being like being being evangelist for for something we really believe in. So in 2021, you were the, became the founder and CEO of NFT Now. Maybe we should start first by hearing a little bit about what NFT Now is and what the thesis behind you starting that company was. Yeah, thank you. NFT Now, we are the number one trusted source in the Web3 space, omni-channel media company. We are also, we're at really at the forefront of the intersection of content and culture and like, and bringing the creatives into the space. I think that our mission from day one has always been to empower the creators of culture and to bring this technology from niche to mainstream. There are a lot of outlets out there that are very content to preach to the crypto native choir. That is not us. We want to help convert the masses. We want to bring new people in and we want to make sure that when we do so, they're getting good information, that they're being set up for success, that they're not taken advantage of, and that and that ultimately they're able to understand like the power and potential of this technology beyond simply like speculation and, and the markets. And so we are also building 
what we like to call the future of tokenized media, which is really exciting. And and part of, and I, I'll dive into that a bit deeper, but one of the things I think is important to understand is that from day one at NFT Now, we always wanted to do things differently when it, with regards to the media model. Like I saw from my time at Legacy Media Brands just how broken the Web2 media model is. And from day one on nftnow.com, we have not had programmatic ads. We believe programmatic ads misalign incentives and and actually like incentivize this sort of like perverse like clickbait race to the bottom. Yeah, we have not had a, a one programmatic ad. And we also, we believe in privacy. We don't track our users. We don't have pixels. We don't have cookies. We really stand by those principles. And yet we've been able to still thrive as a modern media brand. And for us, it's really about pioneering a community-centric media model. And in March, uh, with the launch of the Now Pass, which is the uh, our NFT membership pass that gets you access to the Now Network, that's the foundation for everything we're building for the future of tokenized media. We really believe that this technology has the power to incentivize, like re kind of realign incentives, reward participation, and really create deeper relationships, not only between a audience and publishers, but really on like predicated on the idea of community, where our community members actually share in the value that, that they're creating, that they can actually contribute to co-creating the content that we're making. And, and it becomes this really amazing kind of symbiotic relationship. And we've seen the power, the transformative power of Web3 in other industries. So we've been really focused on how can we build a better media model through this? And we're well on that path. So somebody was kind of dropped into right in front of you from outer space, right? And they missed <laughs> the last three or four years. And they asked you, the person who you know is at the forefront of this, why are NFTs so important? What are they? Yeah. And where are they going? What would you say? Yeah, I could give them the very long version. I could give them the very quick version. I think we want the, the quicker version here. answer that question. How would you answer it? So what <laughs> I would say is this. Obviously, you could get into like, you know, the technology, the immutable ledger transactions. But ultimately, I think that's the important thing to understand, really, is just at the end of the day, NFTs allow a level of digital ownership over content that has not existed before. And that is really powerful because it unlocks a lot of different things that were just never possible. All of a sudden, digital artists can build collector bases because you can actually prove digital ownership of a digital artwork. Or even a physical item, correct? And a physical we, item, yeah. exactly. Like you said, you can have tokens that are, NFTs can be assigned to, to, to physical items as well. And, and, and you now have a transparent, immutable record of their movements. And one of the things I think is really important to understand about this technology is it allows you to bypass the centralized platforms and everything that comes along with them in a really powerful way. So it's peer-to-peer, -peer, truly. Right. And so it's decentralized. And so like, for example, we came up in, in this, you know, like in the Web2 era where all these big centralized tech companies and platforms have access to all, your, all the data. They're not sharing that data. They're, they're selling that data. Facebook, Google, Exactly. You're at you're at the behest of their ads and their of their algorithms, of their ad models and the like. Whereas with this technology, you can circumvent them. And it enables what I would tell this 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 alien, as I say, it enables far more equitable economic models, especially for creators. In web two, web two is all about building audience as a means to an end to indirectly monetize as a middleman for brands. That's the programmatic ad model for media. That's the, you know, the influencer model for individual creators, you know, brand partnerships and the like. Ultimately, you're in a likes and comments economy, right? And you're using it to try and build enough of an audience to be able to monetize that by getting big brands involved. Cool. But 
With Web3, it, there's something a lot more powerful at play because something that's more powerful than just audience is community. Audience is aware that you exist. Audience may see you in the feeds. They may click your things. They may buy your products. They may even attend your events. But ultimately, it's a one-way street of a relationship there. Whereas with community, they actually want to see you win. And part of the reason is, is that they actually have a stake in that. All of a sudden, by owning, for example, your favorite musician's NFT or by owning, for example, you know, an NFT that offers you membership to uh, an organization uh, or a group that you really believe in, you can actually share in the value that's created by their development. And what's amazing is that it has a transformative effect because what it can do is it can unlock a different level of loyalty. I always say in 2023, every single company is a media company and every single company is a loyalty company, whether they know it or not. And so what's amazing is this technology is transformative on that front because now instead of just being a fan, you feel like a shareholder. Instead of just being like an advocate, you can be an ambassador. And what's amazing is it enables what I think was the original promise of the internet. We all know, you know Kevin Kelly's you know, 1,000 True Fans, the idea that like you don't actually need millions of fans to have a sustainable career as a creative. All you need really is 1,000 true, true diehard fans who are going to pick up what you put down, who are going to buy the ticket, take the ride, buy the merch, buy the album, stream the, you know, drive to the show, all that. The issue is that in Web2, with all of these centralized platforms who didn't have an incentive in allowing creatives to reach their full audiences, you know, they gatekept it. And they actually were like, hey, guess what? You have to pay us to reach even a fraction of your organic audience. And you have to like fit into this whole like algorithmic ad-based like race to the bottom. We put like Ticketmaster as part of that as well when it comes to, right. Exactly. And so what it did was it created us an unsustainable climate, which is why you see it's like they often say, for example, I come from the music industry. There's no middle class in music because you either, either you're Drake or Justin Bieber or like you're kind of struggling. You know what I mean? And like and part of that is because of that scale. But for example, what I think is really powerful about NFTs and Web3 is they allow you to directly monetize with your community. And they allow you to build community as a not as a means to an end, but as an end in itself. And they have really powerful mechanisms to allow you to share in the value that you create. Over the long term, right? Because there's models where you sell an, an NFT and then you get a royalty every time it's sold in the future too. Right. That's possible depending on the platform as well. Yeah. And that's really powerful. And amazing thing is like, you can take what's called a snapshot. And by taking a snapshot, you can immediately see and get access to all of the wallets that carry that, that are holding your NFT at that time. And you can directly reach them. You could send them another NFT. You could send them something that's, hey, guess what? I want you backstage at my show. I want you to have the meet and greet. I want you to have the, just like the fan club membership. And that creates this incredibly powerful level of connection where you're not reliant on the algorithms and the like of, of centralized players. And so there's an incredible potential with these at play. And one of the things that I would also say to, you know, this alien who, you know, eyes may be glazing over at this point, but, you know, hopefully has figured out that this is important and they need to learn more about it, is that while we have seen certain use cases take off and command the headlines like digital art, digital collectibles, yeah, cool, eye-popping sales, I know those are the ones that get the headlines, those are just still scratching the surface of the potential for this technology. We're big believers that NFTs, Web3, this, this technology is going to fundamentally redefine how creators and their communities create and share the value, value together. And what will be amazing is right now we talk about it as NFTs, we talk about it as Web3, all this. It's just going to be the next, it's the next evolution of the internet. And people are going to be using it whether they know it or not.
I would tell that alien as a closing point, I would be like, look, one thing that's important to understand is that we are all part of the last generations to grow up without digital ownership from day one. So future generations are going to grow up owning things digitally, they're going to own things physically, and they're going to have none of the hangups that our generations have about that. They're not going to be like, how do I hang it on my wall? They're not going to be like, right, click, save. They are going to own these things and they're going to appreciate them for their own unique strengths and appeals. We're already seeing this with Gen Z and Fortnite and Roblox and the like. And, and you know, it's like they get it more than we do. And before that, we saw it with Farmville, right? Like ultimately there was digital currency even as long as the internet really existed. A hundred percent. And so NFTs are that, that critical component for like for ownership of unique items, whether that's a piece of art, whether that's a piece of music, whether that's a deed to a house, whether that's a deed to a car, whether that's a membership to television something. film, yeah. a, a membership, exactly. And the use cases are going to, like, what's amazing is like, one of the reasons I know we're still early is that people still speak about NFTs like a category instead of a new medium that transcends every category. Yeah, that, it used to be like the same way with digital or social. Exactly. It used to be it's own category. Now it's sort of part of the way we communicate. It's dial tone, right? And that it had to jump and cross the chasm to get there. Exactly. And each of these categories is different use cases. As the markets mature, we're going to see they all they all have different creative and consumer priorities at play, just like they do prior to Web3. And we're going to start to see, I think people are going to gain a much more holistic understanding of this technology's potential that when things are all being lumped under one category and like, monkey JPEGs and like, you know, things like that are commanding the, the spotlight. So often when you have, you know, something new that gets introduced to culture and society, you kind of have this adoption curve where very early on it becomes a frenzy and everyone's talking about it. Then it implodes and then the real work begins. And then over time, it becomes something substantive. It happened with the internet itself, the dot-com boom and bust of 2000, right? We're seeing it happen right now, happen with crypto and more specific with NFTs. Talk to me about that boom bust cycle how it was for you to kind of live through that? Because I'm sure there, it wasn't always easy. And, and I know you have conviction. I can tell, by the way, you're talking that you believe in it. And what needs to happen with the technology itself for it to gain mainstream adoption to get through to the other side? So that's a great question. One thing I'll say is this. This past cycle was my third crypto cycle. So I started dabbling with Bitcoin in 2013. I was living in Milan. It was really cold. I didn't really speak great Italian. And so I was spending some time on Reddit and like stumbled across it bought the exact top of that market, sent the Bitcoin white paper to all my friends. It crashed like two weeks later, but I just held on to it because I believed in the tech. But you know, what's funny is I believed in the tech, but it's not like I necessarily had full conviction that it was coming back. Like I thought that was interesting. Could have just been like a weird flash in the pan on the internet, you know? Then it was 16 to 18 with the rise of Ethereum where I was like, oh, okay, I was on to something. And this time I also see the potential beyond just the financial side for this to also empower creators or to be able to impact culture. It was still early, especially on the music side. So when it came back around this time, I was like, I have seen this movie before and I already know how it ends. And this time it is like back in those times, it was magic internet money. This time it's art, music and culture. And you don't bet against art, music and culture. So that's how I had the conviction to jump in. But one thing you have to remember is that a lot of people bought their first crypto to buy an NFT, especially from the creative industries. And so they are where I was after my first cycle. They don't necessarily have conviction necessarily that's coming back because they haven't seen it before. You know, they can go look at the charts and all that, but like you have to live it to really feel, to experience it. So one thing that's important to understand is that bringing that perspective, myself and my co-founder Alejandro, we both have been through booms and busts, bulls and bears before. So we we had that in mind. Like we always knew, like even in the froth of like 2021 and, and you know, in the top of 2022, 
Like we knew like winter is coming, right? And so we prepared accordingly. So that was that's really critical. But it is challenging, especially when you see, for example, you know, search volume go down or you or you see, for example, obviously we weren't necessarily expecting the implosion of FTX, you know, bad actors. Like bear markets always shake out bad actors. That's obviously on a really big, big level. That obviously like shook the industry at its core. But ultimately, I'm a big believer that the bear markets are actually extremely healthy for us. Bear markets are for builders. There's less noise. You're able to focus on what you really believe in. And the people who are showing up every day in a bear market are the ones who truly believe in the space, who aren't motivated by short-term financial game, but are actually trying to build the future. And that's actually one of the reasons why we launched the Now Pass in the midst of a bear market. A lot of people asked us, they were like, you know, you could have made a lot more revenue off of it if you had launched it in a bull. I'm like, yeah, but like, I want to build a values-based community. If we're going to build a community-centric media model, just that first case study, right? Like this is, this is that, like, if I'm going to super serve a community, if I'm going to show up for them every day, it better be the real ones. It better be the ones that like, that actually believe in the space, the ones who believe in what we're building, the ones who are there. I always say Web3 rewards those who show up. And so now's a great time to be building what we're building. And I'm not going to minimize the challenges of, of the market conditions. But one thing that we have full conviction on is like digital ownership is the future. And this technology is the key to unlocking that. And one thing that we're seeing is even though many retail, like mainstream attention, you know, has shifted away from Web3 and all that, on the business side, we're seeing tons of big brands exploring the space. I just saw a report from Coinbase that more than 50% of the Fortune 100 is developing blockchain-based initiatives. Yeah, it takes time. I mean, I work with all these big companies and I know it takes years and years for them to even just get through legal to understand the data and privacy concerns and to actually build the technological infrastructure to integrate into their systems. So it's going to take time. The big brands are always who's less to join the party. Totally. And you know what? When they are, we're here. We're ready to welcome them. You know, we've helped bring a number of big brands into the space. Like for us, we're always like, we want to see this space succeed. And so we want to see big brands enter the space and we want to see them do it credibly. And we want to see them do it the right way. And we want to see them do it in a way where they are building long term connections with their community. Like one thing that's important, I always say, like, you know, that it's really important is you have to rethink what you normally think about, like a go to market strategy or anything like that. Like most people in, in Web 2 and before, it's like it ends with the sale. In Web3, it begins with the sale. And a sale, an NFT sale is not an end. It's a beginning of this incredibly powerful connection with your community. That connection is something that you need to be prepared for. It's something that you're going to need to nurture. And it's something that you're going to need to make sure that, that you have a long-term, the right long-term perspective on. And so I really welcome the big brands that are coming in now. And I welcome the ones that are going to come in later. And we're here to help them too. We'll be right back with the Speed of Culture after a few words from our sponsors. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, Forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. I think one huge opportunity is when you talk about, you know, a lot of the things you're talking about are mainstream consumer habits that have been around forever and they just need to transport to a new medium like loyalty has been a thing people have always wanted to buy digital music i mean they did it over over itunes at the beginning right and now they rent the music versus owning it but basically the notion of digital ownership has been around for a while i think one thing that's in the way of nfts really gaining that mainstream consumer adoption is just sort of the form factor and the process of buying an NFT. Like, I don't know what MetaMask is. Like, I'm pretty technologically savvy, probably more so than 99.99% of people on Earth. And I jumped on the first time I tried to buy NFTs, and I was confused. It's like, where's my money? What's MetaMask? What's that difference between that and Coinbase? And for somebody like you, it's intuitive because you're in the space. But it should be as easy as buying something on Amazon. And it's not. And I think until that happens you're not going to have consumers really adopting NFTs. I get if I own this BMW NFT because I own a BMW that I can get the BMW's concert at Coachella. Like, I get all that stuff. But the process of getting that NFT is, I think, what gets in a lot of people's way. And why is that? Right now, the UX, the UI, like the tech hasn't caught up. And that's okay. Like, we'll know we've reached that point, you know, when we have that, the, the iPod moment, when it's like 500 songs or whatever, like in your pocket. We'll get to the point where we're not talking about the tech, but we're talking about what, it enables for consumers and like what amazing things are created in that way. Like, and so like, that's the, like, we'll get there, but it takes time right now. There's a lot of friction to get from interest to onboard. But like you said, like it is this new medium. And like you said, like what's, what's really interesting is when we think about in the media context, cause you know, like for us, it's like NFTs are just, are just one area of web three that, that we focus on. And like, ultimately we're really focused on the idea of tokenized media. And what is tokenized media? Obviously, it involves NFTs. Yeah, yeah. So I want to get back to the now pass, which is tokenized media. So let's let's shift gears to that and talk about what is tokenized media and then how you build on top of that idea for the now pass and what the now pass is. So I think one thing to just understand, you know, is that like technology is just always pushed storytelling forward, right? Like from the Gutenberg printing press, like creating like the information revolution to like the advent of the internet. And then suddenly we get we get mobile uh, smartphones and then everything has to shift mobile. You know, so print to digital to mobile, like you remember all of these, not, not, not the Gutenberg printing press, but you, you know, these other, the other, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. You know, right. you know, the other transitions, right? Tokenized media is the next frontier. It's so clear. And what's amazing is not only will this medium, like, is this a, sh a shift in medium, but it actually, like I mentioned, has the ability to actually change the longstanding relationships between publishers and, and their audiences and communities, Right. And so one thing I just want to say, too, is I think there's two buckets to tokenized media. There's the tokenization of communities around media, which is what I've spoken to a bit around, like, how this is different and what the potential is. And that's what we're building with the now past and the now network. And then there is also the actual 
tokenization of media, as in putting articles, blog posts, podcasts, videos on the blockchain for verifiable authenticity, on-chain provenance. We're building at the forefront of both because we think they're both really critical. And one thing, that one development that has really brought the latter into focus, because we've been talking about tokenized media for a while, and sometimes people are like, you know, I, I'm not sure if I understand this. Ever since those viral photos, those AI photos of Trump getting arrested, you know, went viral and fooled tons of people, it's been incredibly clear the need for tokenized media. Then we saw AI photos of, of a fake explosion by the Pentagon wipe billions off the S&P 500, right? Like, this is not going to stop. AI will never be less sophisticated and less sophisticated than it is right now, right? Like, full stop. It is only going to get more sophisticated, is only going to get more powerful. The disinformation and the deepfakes are only going to get more realistic. And there's going to be a real need to be able to track the authenticity of media, pieces of content, understand where did they come from, understand did they come from trusted sources, understand that journey, and be able to do that all on chain. And so that is an area that I think is incredibly critical to, to combating AI disinformation. Then when we think about the tokenization of communities around media, that's the now past, that's the now network, that's where we start to think about, cool, what's this community-centric media model? How do we shift an understanding of, of what a media company's role is in 2023? What we have a saying at NFT now that we believe media companies shouldn't serve you advertisements, they should serve you opportunities. And that's something that like we've really worked to embody by tapping into the incredible network that we have, by tapping into the amazing artists and builders and creators and, and executives, collectors, you know, founders that are part of our community and realizing that like we can actually super serve this community. We can give them, a, you know, there's the, there's the stuff that that mirrors all of kind of membership in Web2, like exclusive content, exclusive access, exclusive access to our events, things like that. But where it gets really fun and interesting is when we start to think about loyalty and we also start to think about rewarding participation. So one of the things that gets really interesting with the Now Network is we are actually building out this whole reward system. You'll be able to earn XP points in exchange for consuming our content, sharing our content, contributing your own content to be published on NFT now, and ultimately sharing in the value that that creates and being able to then like trade those XP points for like exclusive rewards that tie into all of our partners like through our network. Well, another really critical part, we now can also decentralize content creation and curation. Like this is part of progressive decentralization. So one of the things that we're doing is starting to open up some of our curated content series to be community curated content series. And so like, for example, like at the end of our first year, we did something that most media companies don't do, which is we asked our audience what we could be doing better. What would they like to see more of? And we actually got a really resounding offer answer. People were like, you know what? You do a great job supporting artists. You do a great job covering artists. But mostly the established ones, they're like rising artists need love too. And there's no real way for like rising artists to get the, the support right now. We said, great. So we started a, a franchise called Next Up. Next Up is our rising artist franchise. It's been great. You know, we've been ahead of the curve on so many amazing artists and it's become a really important platform. But ultimately, it's still a very centralized process. It's me and my writers and editors coming together, deciding which artists we're going to spotlight each month and, and then giving them, shining that light on them. But ultimately, like what excites me about Web3 and this technology is being able to bypass gatekeepers, not create new ones, right? And so one of the things that I'm really excited about is be able to open up next up to our community. They're going to be able to vote fully on chain with what's called token curated registries, TCR models, and be able to nominate, vote, and, and have a say in which artists get this recognition and be rewarded with these XP points in exchange, in exchange for doing so. So not only are they incentivized to help you know, support the artists they believe in, but there's actually a direct incentive in terms of like coming back here. I think that 
we've always said it's like the now network will be built over time, not overnight. But ultimately, it's it's really about showing that we can succeed outside of this like programmatic clickbait race to the bottom. Well, it sounds like the culmination of loyalty, your media platform and a community that you're bringing together all together. Yeah, 100%. And you know, like we're an open book. We've done 5.2 million in top line revenue over the past two years without a single programmatic ad in media. And I think that's really significant. And I think it's just a glimpse into the future of what's possible. When you double down community, when you actually create content to serve your audience rather than an algorithm, and when you understand how you can leverage this technology to actually, I think, foster and create the deeper relationships that we all want to see. Because here's the thing, like, Matt, you know the power of media. Like, it goes beyond just like a business and a commerce. Like, this is, this is the marketplace of ideas, right? And largely, it's become this incredibly polarized, like, series of echo chambers. Yeah, I mean, I was about to say, it, it's in desperate need of reinvention right now. Exactly. And, and look, we, we both come from media, like, legacy media is not going to come up with a solution on their own. You know, like, they're, they're just trying to stay afloat right now. Legacy companies rarely do, and especially traditional media companies are really hurting right now. And so that's why it's going to come from us, you know, and that's what we're working on. And so like for us, it's like to those who are listening, we're always like reach out whether you're a brand interested in learning more about this technology and Web3 or coming into the space. If you're, you know, a marketer who's trying to figure out like what that looks like for you, if we could be helpful, we'd love to be. And, you know, I, I think that it's been an, an incredibly exciting year for us, you know, with the, with the launch of, of Now Pass Now Network. We actually just announced the Gateway Korea in September. So we're actually bringing our flagship event. Did you Have you ever been to one of the Gateways, Matt? I have not, no. Ooh, so we did it two years running in Miami, Basel. First year was with Christie's, which is a little wild. It was like six-month-old startup partnering with a 275-year-old auction house. We definitely opened some eyes. But, you know, it was, it was really special. We built this whole immersive audiovisual gallery. And then last year was wild because we actually... We partnered with Mana Common, MoonPay was the title sponsor, and we did a whole Web3 metropolis, took over it in downtown Miami. It was five days. It was two city blocks, 12 buildings, like in addition to all the usual like Web3 suspects, like Art Blocks, G-Money's, IDCC, Artifact, all that. We also had, Kit Christie's came back, but we also had like Instagram. We had Porsche, we had FaZe Clan, we had WME. Like we brought a lot of like more legacy into the space. And that's something that we're, that's like, we really want to, that's like, that's at our ethos is like, we're not here to like create barriers or to create like this is just the new paradigm and like either you're with us or you're against us. It's more about it's always an and not an or like digital and physical will always coexist. Like there's no need to be scared. And if you want to learn more about this space, we're here to help you. Like education is at the forefront. One of the reasons why we founded NFT Now to begin with was to solve a problem that we ourselves faced, which was a lack of credible resources in the space. And, and it's, it's, been, it's been really amazing to continue to see it forward. And I, I think the future is extremely bright. It's, there's going to be, obviously, the darkness of, of bear markets. There's going to be challenges ahead. It takes conviction, and it's clear that you have conviction. You're thinking things a different way. So switching gears as we wrap up here, Matt, I mean, you obviously are somebody who, you've had a really exciting career, and you're clearly just getting started in what you're doing. It takes courage, at, and along with conviction, to do the sorts of things you're doing what advice would you give to some of our younger listeners who want to go out on their own and create something like NFT Now? What are the steps they should take to really get the courage to make that leap and to end up where you are today? I kind of live my life according to two principles. Stay open and don't force things. Pretty simple, but it's like what, most of the time you're either doing one, of the, one or the other. You're either not being open-minded enough or you're forcing something that you've given no thought. And so like, that's something I think is really important. It's important to be flexible. Like 
I mean, look, I grew up reading Spin Magazine. That was my favorite magazine. But it's not like I set out to be like, my career goal is to be the editor-in-chief of Spin Magazine. That was, like, If you had told young me about that, I would be excited. But that wasn't like I set that as like my North Star or anything. It was really about being, being open-minded, seeing opportunities, not being afraid to pivot hard when I saw something like dance music taking over America. I didn't, we didn't get into it because it's a whole backstory, but like I used to work in nonprofits and NGOs like prior to all that. And so I was actually finishing graduate programs related to that. But I, then when I saw dance music taking over America and I had this opportunity to be that guy at Billboard, I pivoted hard. And I have no regrets about that because I recognized that like there was a moment, you know, there was this window to be able to build something like that. Same thing with, with NFTs and Web3. Like when I left Modern Luxury, people thought I was crazy. That's a really cushy job. It's, you know, it's a great team. And I left to go do an NFT media startup. What? People were checking in if I was okay. And those were the same people who a few months later were asking me what NFTs to buy. You know what I mean? And so what was really interesting is like, I think like having that conviction, not being afraid to take big swings, but ultimately you don't have to wait for those big swings to have at bats. Like before, like NFT, there are a lot of like things that I tried to start. I had like a IG live, like podcast during COVID called Studio Break with artists checking into musicians. Like that ultimately like didn't really become anything, but it basically walked so that the NFT Now podcast could run. You know what I mean? Like, like I got through all my reps doing that and realized the challenge is what am I good at? What am I not? Like, what do I need support on? Oh, the editing, things like that. So I always tell everyone, like, don't wait for like the right brand or the right opportunity to, do, to start creating, like start a start a newsletter, start a podcast, start a, a Twitter space to start putting yourself out there, start doing it. And you'll be able to, to attract attention and find things that like really you're really, really passionate about. Like for me, it was like like when I first started like learning about Web3 and NFTs, I was up till 4 a.m. every night, like going down rabbit holes. Like if you find yourself doing that, like go down deeper. That's amazing. Like just really, really like let that journey of discovery take you in. And also like don't be too married to an idea around outcomes, like have principles, but stay open minded. Right. So like when I started the NFT Now accounts on Twitter and Instagram, like I remember the, the minute that it happened. And I was like, cool, nobody likes this. Like, I wonder if other people will, you know, I was like, you know, it's like starting from scratch. But ultimately, I didn't know what it was going to become. I thought, you know, maybe it could be just like a pet project. It could be a curation channel, just like something to like, I was posting about art that I was like, that I liked that I was discovering. And like, I was like, there's no credible resources here. I just want to like build something here. But I didn't know necessarily that it was going to take the trajectory that it has. But ultimately, I knew that we wanted to do things differently, that we wanted to build a better media model, all of these things. And so by building this out and realizing opportunities along the way, we're able to give this vision life and give it form. And one thing that I think is important, too, is like I always say, it's like there's a there's a fine balance, like jump in. But for the big things, like also take the time to make sure you do it right. There's always time to make sure you do things right. Like, you know, it's like if you're not embarrassed by your first product, you launch too late. And when I look back at the early NFT Now podcast and the, like, my, the newsletter, like I cringe, but that's OK. But but we waited two years to launch. We didn't wait two years. We took two years to launch the Now Pass because we were doing tons of research. We were we had a front row seat to everything that was working, the things that were not working in the space, and we wanted to do something incredibly special and memorable. Like if you go check it out, it's not just like a normal like membership pass. It's like a fully generative on-chain artwork that has all of these incredibly interactive, engaging elements to it. Tons of Easter eggs there. Tons of things we're building out. We're building out the member portal. And so like we knew we wanted to do something really, really special. And so we took the time it needed to do something very memorable. So I think it's a really a balance of like not being afraid to like ship things and, and get your skin in the game while also understanding that while 
you may know your North Star, you may know your principles, the paths, especially when it comes to technology, innovation, et cetera, or they quickly change. You know, like look at AI, the rise of AI. Like AI has been on my radar for a long time. I played around with it for a while, but over the past, it's, you know, I, I just got back from Cannes. It's all anybody could talk about out there, as you can imagine. And one of the things that's really critical too is like we embraced AI like earlier than most other media companies. And we did it incredibly transparent. You know, there's been a lot of like shadiness in the media space around AI, but, you know, and like we worked it into our editorial workflow. We made a, we made a whole thing out of it. We were like, hey, this is our first AI powered editorial uh, news article. This is our first AI powered listicle. This is our first AI powered feature. We were actually proud of it. And we actually earned platitudes from the AI community at large because of the way that we presented it. Every article has a disclaimer that says, editors note, this was written by an NFT now staff member in collaboration with GPT-4 in collaboration with Bard. All that, because that's what's really important. It's it's never like, oh, I'm copying this, I'm hitting publish, I'm calling it a day. There's always a human working with this tech. But what's amazing is we were also able to get our, our team on board with it. I was able to assuage the fears like from my editorial team. I was like, hey, this is not here to replace you. We say like, we often say it's like, it's not artificial intelligence, it's augmented intelligence. And what it's here to do is replace all the rote and routine things that, that humans don't like to do so that you can focus on the things that only humans can do. And it's been a, like a, a real smash success, you know, in terms of like opti of optimizing our workflows, increasing productivity, the, and the team actually really has embraced it. But that's an example of something where a year ago, integrating AI into the workflow wasn't necessarily one of my top priorities. But as soon as you could like see where the path was leaning, you have to be flexible too. You got to be nimble in the space because it moves fast. I always say Web3 in weeks are months and months are years. So Yeah. Well, you've definitely accomplished a lot in a short period of time, and I have no doubt that you're going to continue to innovate in this space and, you know, really excited to see what you're able to do to bring this to more mainstream and, and work with so many of the great brands that listen to Speed of Culture. So thanks so much for joining today to Matt Medved, founder and CEO of NFT Now. On behalf of Susie and Adweek team, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Speed of Culture podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, see you soon, everyone. Take care. Speed of Culture is brought to you by Suzy as part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Agast Creator Network. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcast. To find out more about Suzy, head to suzy.com. And make sure to search for the Speed of Culture in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click follow so you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Suzy, thanks for listening. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 